Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. Um, But I I am going to do something today that's a little bit different. I'm going to preach the message that I preached in Ghana last week. Now, I'm going to preach it uh, and actually wearing the very same clothes I wore in Ghana. This is the outfit I preached in last week. The only difference with the outfit is that uh, we didn't have air conditioning and it's the end of the wet season, and it's the start of the dry season. So this shirt was like nine shades darker, and it was just covered in sweat. Um, some of those people say, Steve, you don't sweat that much when you preach. Oh, I sweated that day. Let me tell you. Yeah, it was dripping off me, but I'm preaching the same message. Now, here's why I'm doing it. Um, because though it was a message for the Ghanaians, it's really a message for us. I mean, this is a message for the church of Jesus Christ. And it's a little different because it's two distinctly different passages of Scripture, okay? These two passages are separated by six chapters of the Bible, but these two passages tell one story. And this is a story that involves the disciples, okay? It it is a story that is for us, but it is a story that is all about Jesus Christ. It is about His power, it is about His presence, and it's about the difference that Jesus makes in our lives if we let Him. So, having said that, let me pray, and then let's get encouraged in the Lord today. Oh, Father God, You're wonderful. Jesus, You are amazing. Everything about You is beautiful and rich and real. Everything about You brings us to life. And so, Lord, where where church may have been a place that we gather and a service may be something that's very familiar, Lord, I I pray that you would knock any and all rust off of us. Oh, Father God, I, I pray that we would come to life as we hear the Word of God and the glory and the majesty and and just the, the wonder of our Jesus. So we give you ourselves, Lord, in Christ's name, amen. All right. Passage number one, it will be familiar to you, um, but that doesn't mean that it can't still be all new. So here you go. Matthew 8, 23 through 27. Jesus got into the boat, and he started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you so afraid? You have so little faith. And then he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Just before this passage, uh, Jesus has been ministering for quite a while to crowds of people. And the crowds have been getting bigger and bigger. And here at this point, just before the passage we read, um, people are everywhere. People are swarming. And so Jesus decides that this is the time to go somewhere new. They, they, they need to go and, and, uh, and, and just do something new to a new group of people. So Jesus tells the disciples to get into the boat and that they are going to cross the lake. Now, you got to understand this about the boat, okay? Have you ever seen an excavated fishing boat? Maybe you've been to Israel like I have. They, yeah, they excavate some of these boats. They've done this, and they're small, okay? 
these boats were, were made for about 15 men. So here you have 13 men in a boat, and even on a calm day, a boat this size is a little bit of a risk, okay? You gotta be careful in a boat this size. You know, you've got balance issues, um, you've got weight distribution. People kind of kind of have to do whatever they're going to do slow in this boat. So, 13 men in a small boat on a calm day is dangerous. But here's the problem. This is the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is notorious. It is famous for these storms that come over the mountains just like that. Uh, it comes down, whips up, and boom, there you are. You in a, are in a full-fledged storm, and it can happen just like that. Now, th- to complicate the matter, back then, and this will shock you, there were no cell phones, okay? Uh, there is no one on Channel 10 giving you a weather report, so you kind of got to take your chances and, and, and hope the day holds out. And by the way, there's one other thing. Many, many people had died on this lake before. Everyone in that time knew some group of guys who got into a boat on a perfect day, and boom, a storm hits, and they don't make it back. So sure enough, that's exactly what happens. As soon as they get out on the lake, far enough from land, a whopper of a storm comes up, and y'all, it is a big one. It is chaos. There are waves crashing into the boat. Water is getting into the boat. Everybody's wet. The boat is filling up with water. So what do we have? We've got a very serious situation, okay? I know we read it from a distance. You know, we weren't there. This is life-threatening. This is dangerous. These people could die. And yet, incredibly, at this moment, when everything's going bonkers weather-wise, Jesus... It's asleep. Jesus Christ is, and listen, you got to understand, it's not like Jesus has a heavenly bubble around him. Jesus, listen, his hair is being whipped in the storm. Jesus is rocking back and forth as he's asleep. Jesus is being soaked to the skin. And the disciples can't believe it. Who sleeps at a time like this? But, but there he is. There is the Prince of Peace, and he has taken the most peaceful nap in the midst of, of, of this chaos. It, it is a wild situation. And I know, look, listen, reading it, we can conclude from our safe pews, you know, the, the disciples should have figured it out. You know, the, the disciples should have said, hey, it's Jesus. He's at perfect peace. But the truth of the matter is, if any one of us would have been in that boat during that storm on that day, we would have been freaking out just like the 12 disciples. And so they wake Jesus up, and they ask Jesus a question, and it's not a calm question. It is a frantic question. Jesus, Master, don't you care if we drown? And, and, and I find that question incredibly interesting. Why? Because when storms of life come in our lives, we say the same thing all the time. The same thing. We say it to God, don't we? You know, God, here I am. I'm going through this thing. And and your promise in the Word of God is that you will be with me always. Where are you right now? Do, Do you care? Do you see? Jesus, are you asleep? And so Jesus wakes up, and he says two things to the disciples. Why are you so afraid? And you have very little faith. Now, Regarding their fear, here's what Jesus is saying to them. He's saying, look, guys, 
if I, the Son of God, am with you in this boat, and I, the Son of God, have said we're going to the other side of the lake, we are going to reach the other side. That's what Jesus means with that, that question about their fear. And, but then we have this matter of faith. Jesus challenges their faith. And, and he is not saying to the disciples, you guys don't have any faith whatsoever. He's not saying that because there is some faith present in, in, in this, uh, this passage. I mean, first of all, who do they wake up? Who do they cry out to? Whether well, they cry out to Jesus, that's a little bit of faith. Now, it's frantic and wild, but it, 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 it's, it's kind of a good moment. But the point for the 12 disciples here is that they do have a whole lot of faith in Jesus when life is calm, when the day is going well, when, when all the ducks are in a row, when they feel blessed, when they feel favored, they have a whole lot of faith. But when the storm comes, something else comes out. When the storm comes, suddenly that faith erodes and they believe something else. So they're hallelujah, praise the Lord, Jesus, you're the best most of the time. But boy, when the storm comes, instead they believe that, that they're going to die. And by the way, if, if you ever want to do a faith test, and I, I did this this week and they don't always turn out pretty, but if, if you really want to know where your faith is, listen to what you say in life storms. You know, think back to what you've said in times past. Lord, I bless you. I thank you. Caretha Walker, who, who's, if you heard Neil, her husband died this week, suddenly out of nowhere. I called Caretha as soon as we got back from, from Ghana and I talked to her. And boy, you know, in, in those moments, these are tough conversations. You run into a whole lot of messy stuff, and, and you should. It's grief and tragedy. I called Caretha up and I said, Caretha, dear, how are you doing? How's it going? You know what she said to me? She said, Steve, I believe God every day of my life. I praise him every Sunday. You know, I, I stand with him, and, and there is a time for everything. I don't get it. I don't like it, but you know what? I believe today what I believed yesterday about him. That's a confession in a storm that is beautiful. So, so just consider your confession. It, it's really good to know where you are. So Jesus speaks to the 12, and then Jesus speaks to the storm. And the storm obeys Jesus immediately. Just like that, it's calm. And the disciples now, the disciples are amazed. You know, they go from, ah, we're going to die. You know, they start singing Gilligan's Island. This is it, you know. They go from that to, to just wonder and amazement at who Jesus is. He really is the Prince of Peace. He is the Lord over everything, even nature. And, and, and we hear all that. We read the story, and, and we conclude as readers, well, you know, surely, surely the disciples understand now. Surely they get it. He is the Prince of Peace. Surely, I mean, th th there is nothing that can stop Jesus. And, and if he's with us, if, he, if he's with us, we can make it through anything. We can trust him in anything. Surely the disciples will never forget this moment. They will remember what happened on that lake in the middle of that storm for the rest of their lives. And so they reach the other side of the shore, and Jesus begins to minister all over again. The crowds of people come. And, and Jesus does some of the most astounding things. The miracles that happen 
On the other side of this storm, on the other side of this lake, in people's lives, they're incredible. In the next six chapters, here's what we run into. Uh, First of all, Jesus delivers two demon-possessed men from the devils inside of them. I mean, mean, they, they, they go from the stuff of horror movies to free, to alive, to unburdened. They're clean. They're whole. Uh, Next, Jesus heals a man who cannot walk. We, to this day, do not have a a remedy for paralysis. No problem for Jesus. The man walks. Jesus also heals a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. And when we read her accounts throughout the Gospels, this woman has spent every dime she has in the medical community, you know, on on medicine and doctors, nobody can heal her. She reaches out and she just makes contact, contact with the Son of God. Boom. She's whole. Uh, If that weren't enough, Jesus goes on to heal a blind man, a deaf man, a man with a withered hand. Again, no remedies for any of this, even today. Jesus heals them. And, 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 and so we can say, okay, well, there's probably still something else Jesus could do. Well, he does. He goes ahead and he just defies all medical probability when he raises a dead girl back to life. And, and then finally, just, just because he's Jesus and he's amazing, finally Jesus feeds 5,000. And if you read carefully in Scripture, it, it says there were 5,000 men besides the women and children. That crowd was bigger than 5,000. Jesus feeds them all with five loaves of bread and two fish. And folks, there are leftovers. Every disciple's got a basket. There are 12 12 baskets left over just so the disciples have something to do. There's just no end to what he does on the other side of the lake. And every one of these miracles, all of them, they're so different. And the disciples saw every single one of them. They discover, if, if, if the storm didn't do it, they discovered on the other side of the lake, there's nothing Jesus can't do. The song is right. He is the unstoppable God. And having seen this, having witnessed this, maybe now the disciples are unstoppable themselves. Maybe they've got a faith as a result that is just off the charts. Here's the thing, though. They're about to face another storm. In Matthew 14, they are going to face another storm. And this storm is not like the first storm. There are some differences in this storm. So we're going to see now how the disciples do. Uh, Matthew 14, 22 through 32. I think some translations run this to 33. But listen, immediately after this, the feeding of the 5,000 plus, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross back to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, Jesus went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. 
So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when Peter saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified, and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he cried to Jesus. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When he climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and the disciples worshiped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. So, right after Jesus feeds the 5,000, he tells the disciples to get back into the boat, and you've heard me read it, and cross back to the other side of the lake, but this time some things are different, okay? Uh, First of all, somebody doesn't make the trip with the disciples. Who is it? It's Jesus. Jesus stays behind. He stays behind to pray, and the disciples get into this boat, and they journey back across without Jesus, okay? that They are, in a very real sense, alone. And while they're sailing or rowing, whatever they're doing here, uh, something else happens. Nighttime comes. Now, have you ever been in a boat far away from land at night? I know some of you have. David Wright, if you're in the room, Sandy. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, I, I was doing a fishing trip with some friends. We went three miles offshore and uh, we, we fished an old wreck off the coast of Wilmington, and we started home too late and about, got about a half mile towards shore, and it was pitch black. Now, we had an engine and a backup engine, and, you know, we had sonar and, you know, GPS 1.0 way back then. It was scary. It's just scary. You know, you lose your bearings. So it's night. And then a storm comes again. And look at the disciples. Have the disciples grown in faith? Yes, they have. You know why we know they've grown in faith? There is no mention of the disciples being afraid at this point. Yeah, they're fighting the wind and the waves, but it doesn't say they're terrified. The disciples, these guys are growing up. But, but then something happens uh, that scares the disciples profoundly. <laughs> they look out on the water, and here comes somebody walking on top of the waves. Now, it's simple questions, not a trick question. Why does that scare them? They've never seen anybody walk on water. Have you seen anybody, no, not frozen, okay, not up north. Have you ever seen anybody walking on water? No, they've never seen this, let alone it be Jesus. So these dudes are flipping out. And listen again, to be fair to the disciples, you would have been just as afraid. I know I would have been just as afraid. We would have come to the same conclusion. It's a ghost. So Jesus tells them, Do not be afraid. And and listen, here's what he's doing. Jesus is speaking comfort into the disciples, and he is speaking courage into the disciples, and it works. Okay, they respond very quickly to the Word of God because they all go calm, except for Peter. Peter gets riled up, and not in a scared way. Peter is filled with faith at the words of Jesus. And Peter makes a request. Oh, my goodness, what a request. Jesus, can I come out to you on the water? And Jesus says back to him, yeah, come on. And, and so, so Peter, again, takes Jesus at his word, and he gets out of the boat, and he begins to walk toward Jesus on top of water. You know, and, and he doesn't even have the, have the speed of, the, of the, the little incredible. I forget the boy's name, Flasher. You know, he's, he's moving so fast he can do it. Peter's just walking. He's ambling on the water uh, toward Jesus. 
And I know that so many of us, you know, we kind of snicker at Peter for what comes next, like, oh yeah, he walked on the water, but we, we kind of poke fun at Peter for that, right? We do. But, but listen, here's the thing. Where are the other 11 disciples? They're in the boat. They're playing it safe. They're going to watch this, see what happens. They're in the boat. Peter's on the water. And I'll tell you this, Philippians 4.19 has not even been written yet. Peter is living Philippians 4.19. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can even walk on water if he gives me the strength to do it. He, he just shows us this. And folks, that's real faith. You know, sometimes we think, well, I've got all this knowledge up here and I've got warm feelings. That's a part of faith. But I tell you, real faith takes the steps Real faith gets out of the boat. Peter is living faith. And then we learn something about the story. What we learn is that this storm, it hasn't died down. This storm hasn't stopped. So here is Peter now, okay? Peter's not, you know, walking to Jesus. You know, he's not doing that. Peter is walking to Jesus, and the wind is just whipping Peter. You know, the ground is changing as Peter walks because the waves are rising. Peter is stepping over the waves. And as a human being who's growing in faith, who's seen Jesus do amazing things, Peter becomes aware of his surroundings, Peter becomes aware of his circumstances. This whole thing is crazy. Those kind of thoughts go through Peter's mind. And he takes his eyes off Jesus, and he begins to sink. He cries out to Jesus, absolutely the right thing to do, cries out to Jesus. And Jesus reaches out to him, pulls him up, rescues him. They both get back into the boat, and, and Jesus challenges Peter. You know, Peter, you're growing in faith, but you doubted me. You know, Peter, your faith is bigger, but your faith is still small. There's a challenge. And then the disciples do something that is astounding. They worship Jesus. I mean, that's all they can do is, oh, they just start worshiping him. And they say to him, truly, you are the son of God. Note the confessions, okay? The storms work for us, guys. They work in our lives. They go from the first storm, who is this man? To truly, you are the Son of God. The storm has a purpose. The storm works. These guys are blown away. It is the first time in the Gospels that they call Jesus the Son of God. Wow! Thank you, dear. I appreciate that. All right. So that was the disciples. Good for them. Yeehaw, disciples. Well, well what about us? Okay, the story's for us as well, right? So what about us? Well, I believe, unless I am an anomaly in the room, I believe we all have storms that come our way in life, don't we? Anybody ever been through a storm? Oh, amen. Yes, yes, I see the hand. The buses will wait. I see those hands. Yes, we have storms. They come our way in life. Now, here's the thing about storms. Storms are different. Storms are unique quite often to the individual. Some of us are older, okay? And some of you are younger, all right? So some of us are older, some of us are younger, different ages of life, different, you know, where you, wherever you are generationally, it brings different storms. There are storms that tend to be a little more unique to the younger generation. There are storms that uh, tend to be different for the older ones. I don't know why all of our storms have, have to do with money, by the way, when you get older. But, you know, we, we have different storms. Some of us are male, some of you are female. We have different friends. We have different families. We have different jobs. We came from different places. Those all bring different storms. 
but we all have the same Lord. We all have Jesus Christ, right? We have the same Lord. And listen, listen, Jesus is with all of us. He comes to rescue all of us with his, with his power and with his love. And listen, when it comes to that rescue, Jesus Christ died on the cross and he was raised from the dead for all of us to set us all free, to give us all life. And then here's something else we got in common. We all have the same mission. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, you know it, right? Jesus says, all of you go into all the world. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. That, that is a, a mission statement for every one of us. Oh, and by the way, he ends the mission statement this way, and I will be with you always, even until the end of the day. Now listen, if that doesn't make you river dance, I don't know what will. This is good news. It's great stuff. So, so here's some questions that are very personal for all of us, okay? So if you get mad at me, I'm mad at me too for asking these questions. So here's a question. Where are you today? Steve Keller, where are you today? Church member, where are you today? Visitor, where are you? Are you in the boat? Or are you walking out on the water to Christ? Are, are we playing it safe with the crowd? You know, and here's what we do in the boat. You know, we make excuses for, well, you know, this is just my season in the boat. You know, we make excuses. Sometimes we do things like we, we nurse grudges and offenses and, you know, bitterness. Sometimes we're just like, the, like Peter here. You know, there's just a lot of doubt and a lot of fear going on. I have you know this. When you, you look at Pentecost and, and you look at Jesus, okay, throughout his whole ministry, Jesus is out there on the water. He is out there on the water. He is the Lord of the storm, and he is calling us as the church to go out on the water towards him. And listen, I'm going to be honest with you about storms, okay? Uh, uh, prosperity preachers often will say, man, if you just say yes to Christ, your life's going to be easy. You're going to be blessed. You know, you're going to be highly favored, all this stuff. Life gets easy when you say yes to Jesus. That is a crock. And you can decide what's in the crock. I'm not going to tell you what's in the crock, but it ain't good. It's a crock, okay, of Winnie the Pooh. It really is. Storms are part of life down here. Storms are a very real part of life. And listen, for the church, as we walk out into the storms, listen, the storms are often risky. The storms are almost always pretty scary. Uh, the storms still today, they are windy, and they are wavy still, right? That There is risk involved in the storm. We could drown if we get out of the boat, but let's get real. He's the Lord of the storm. He's out there on the water. He's calling us out there. And listen, if you're bored with Christianity, let me tell you something. It is, it is so much better out there with him than playing it safe in the boat as a Christian. We were made for out there. We were meant to be out there. In the boat is not a place to be. And listen, I love what we do in here. But our Christian life together as a church cannot all be in here. Now, let me bring Ghana into this, okay? So, Ghana story. All right. 
So, so Ghana story, we, we went to Ghana, as you, you folks know, all you wonderful, supportive folks, you beautiful church. We went to Ghana, and we spent 10 to 11 days in Ghana, and we learned some things while we were there. Now, I'd learned this before, but I learned it all over again. When it comes to ministry, the Ghanaian Christians have nothing to work with. It's not an exaggeration. Folks, they have nothing materially. And yet, they get out of the boat, and they go with Jesus, and they go for Jesus to their world. And they pray, and they minister to people in what are absolutely impossible conditions. I mean, if it was most of us, we wouldn't even get out of the boat. We got nothing to go with. They do it anyway, and they get out there in impossible situations, and the fruit of their ministry, it's incredible. I'll give you some examples. They have planted... They have planted 60 churches with no money. They have put pastors in those churches, but they first had to, had to get the pastors saved, train the pastors up, build a little mini staff around them. They've done it. They have favor with the king of, of northern Ghana. And you know what that means? That means permission. In fact, we, we visited the king again this time. They don't even ask the king permission to do whatever they're going to do. They just do it and they report back. That's favor. Um, they, they give money away, and this is the most astounding thing. They give money away like it is water, and they never run out. Every village we go to, I don't know if y'all saw this, but there's a little trick they do. They find an elder in the village. They always do this with the pastor, but they'll greet them, and when they greet them, they, they shake hands with them and kind of bless them. There's always money cupped into their hands. They're giving away money. They don't even have it to give, but they give it away, and they never run out. And their needs are supplied by God. Wouldn't it be good if I had an example of that? I got one for you, and it involves you. Listen to this. Last year, we sent the Ghanaians um, money to dig a well. Now, we did this with a lot of prayer because the water table in Ghana, maybe some of you have checked. Mike, you might have looked at the water table. Water table is horrible. And it is, there's, there's no water in Tamale. We sent them money for a well anyway in faith. So, they get this gigantic drill out there, and they drill on the far side of their property, and they hit what we would expect them to hit, nothing, Not dry as a bone. They go to the other side of their property, they drill again, nothing. I mean, that thing comes up dusty. So they go to the back of the property, they drill there, and they got nothing. So they, they take the last little bit of their money, and they prayed, and they said, Lord, we need water, and they dug right in the middle of the property, they hit water. They, boy, did they hit water. I mean, you know, it's like the old, uh, old oil, you know. They hit a mother load of water, tons of water. It's astounding. They're freaking out at the water they hit on their very last try with their very last prayer and their very last dime. They hit water. So they taste the water, okay? I, I promise you I'm not making this up. And I'm, is what I'm going to say, is it a lie, guys? You know what comes next? Okay, thank you, Colleen. So they taste the water, and the water's foul. It's putrid. It's just, it's horrible. So (laughs) they gathered all the students together and all the leaders. They stood around this well, and, and they prayed this prayer. Lord, if you turned water into wine, you can make foul water fresh. So they prayed it. Came out the next day and tasted it. The water was fresh. So this... 
the story's not over, okay? The story's still not over. So they send the water to the water ministry, and I think their, their pictures are there. They send the water to the water ministry, and the guy ate lunch with us. That was the water minister there on the last day. And he said, this is the best water in, in, in Tamale. And so here's what they did. So they get back, and they say, you know what, Lord? They got together and prayed, and they said, okay, Lord, you gave us more water than we can use so we're going to offer this water to the community because water is a serious thing. They sent word to the community, and they said, okay, you can come fetch water on this compound for free. And so people started showing up with buckets and containers. So get this. While the people are coming for fresh water, now that team is there ministering living water to them. <laughs> and... Last Sunday when I was preaching, okay, so I get up to preach last week, and, Abac and Abacari, the head guy, says, uh, Steve, we have a little wrinkle. I need you to pray with the woman who showed up today. A woman had come from the community. She had come to fetch water. She was a Muslim. She had followed a friend to church. Uh, the, the woman, Abakari says she wants to accept Jesus right now. I led her in the sinner's prayer before my, my, uh, my sermon. The church went bonkers. That's what happens when you get out of the boat. That's what happens when we walk on the water to Jesus Christ. KPC, I want to tell you this. The boat is, is, is not a place for us any longer. It's just it, the boat is not a good place. Think about this with Jesus and the disciples. Not all the disciples were fishermen before he called them, but Jesus called the disciples away from fishing for fish in a boat to fishing for men on land. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm issuing a challenge, all right? Challenging myself first. I'm issuing a challenge to the session of this church, to the leadership of this church, and to the staff of this church to provide opportunities for us to not do only this. And again, this is good. Oh, I, I can't live without this every week, guys. But I've, I'm issuing a challenge for, for us to not only do this, but to get out there in Jesus' name, to get out there in Jesus' name, to get out there in Jesus' name. But here's the thing. When they do, because they will, because I'm the boss of the staff and, you know, I'm, not too many session members can beat me up because we're going to do this. We still have a decision to make as a church body, and the decision is this. Are we going to get out of the boat as a church? Are we going to get out of the boat and when we do, are we going to keep our eyes on Jesus, and are we going to walk his words out? Folks, I will tell you this. If we do, we're going to have a disciple experience. We are going to learn so much about our God if we get out of the boat. So much. They learned who he really was out on the water. We're going to learn who he is in a whole fresh new way. We're also going to learn a whole lot about ourselves as Jesus builds great faith in us. That is a journey I'm ready to take. How about y'all? Come on. If you need prayer, there's a prayer team here. We'd love to pray with you about anything, but I'm going to pray for all of you right now. So let's pray together. Father, we love you again. And Jesus, oh, Jesus, what a wonder you are. And Father, we spend too much of our lives not in wonder of you and in awe of you. Father God, we have learned over the last week, we, we have learned so many things from those who have nothing, but they do have a yes, and they do have feet that will walk towards you. And feet, as Mark Santum pointed out at the beginning of the, of, of the church, feet that are meant to be beautiful feet. 
So Father, in this next month, this month of October, which I believe is a very holy month for our session and our staff and our leadership, Father, would you give us your creativity? Would you help us to see what you have raised up? Father, would you throw the doors wide open? And would you lead your people out there to make a difference in Jesus' name? We are not meant to be churches in this country that grow become because Christians switch from one church to another. We're meant to grow because people are getting saved. And so, Lord, we have need. Lord, we need the lost who get found with us. Father, thank you for room, not just room on a pew, but room in our hearts to disciple, to bless, to speak salvation. And Lord God, to see a whole lot of people get full of the Holy Spirit and all kind of joyful in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. I love you. You're beautiful. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to the KPC Podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.